Hi, and welcome to today's meeting of Book Hoarders Anonymous. Let's all begin by introducing ourselves. Hi, I'm Shannon, and I'm a book hoarder. Hi, Hi Shannon. Shannon. Hi, I'm Aaron, and I'm a book hoarder. Hi, Hi Aaron. Everybody, this is the episode three of Book Hoarders Anonymous. I'm Shannon Curry, and I'm Erin Edgar, and we are the book hoarders who will take you on a jury a journey of, well, books of all kinds. Yes. Um, we had homework this month, but of course, even if you haven't read the homework, which is The Sugar Queen by Sarah Addison Allen, this podcast will be full of enjoyment as we will talk about the books we've been reading. Uh, and share a little bit of book news. Not much news this month, but a bit. Uh, yeah, a bit enough. <laughs> enough. Um, so, before we get to the homework, I'm thinking you know we can talk about what we've been reading. So, what have you been reading this month, Shannon? Um, I have been finishing up my last semester of school. Woohoo! Yay, yay! It's done. <laughs> it is done. Um, so I've just now. My last class was last Wednesday, so I, I decided that I could celebrate by um, really getting immersed into in books, so I kind of have been over the past four days. Wonderful. Uh, but before that, I finished the, the Hunger Games trilogy, given that, our, that we talked about that on the last podcast. Um, I loved it. Mm-hmm. I, I read Catching Fire and thought it was wonderful. I, I think like that might have been my favorite of the three and then it ended on a cliffhanger so I had to go download Mockingjay and read that like right away. I did the same thing and I thought Catching Fire was my favorite too. Um, I think the arena in that book was creepy. Oh my god. It turned and that was just so bizarre. Like the first arena was like ho-hum. You know they had obstacles but it was really woods and this one was more high tech and it was so creepy. It was so creepy. I just can't. Oh, yeah. And I, I really liked that she um, went further with the whole idea. And and in the second book, like, um, you know, the the people that that were in the arena were like people she got to know. Right. Um, it wasn't like in the first book where there were a bunch of them were pretty much nameless, except for like Peta and Rue, and then like. Cato and those guys that were the bad guys. Yeah. But this one, like, you know, nobody really was. And they were all, you know, they had been there before. It was sort of like been there, done that. Uh, we don't claim not to reveal spoilers during this podcast, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, you know, they were former victors and you saw how the games shaped their lives afterwards. I mean, you know, the one guy was, I mean, there were some drug addicts and some, uh, Really messed up people, mean people. Uh, yeah. You know, some people on, I don't know, if it wasn't morphine. It was like something even stronger than that. And um, so. Those people were, the, those people were, were so sad. I just. I know. <laughs> I know. Felt so bad for them. Yeah. And I mean, I read Mockingjay and it, it wrapped everything up nicely. It was, um, you know, the ending wasn't tremendously happy, but. That was okay, because the whole series was not tremendously happy. Yeah, I, I think it ended the way that it needed to. I, agree. I I I felt like, okay, this is a 
pretty major spoiler, so you might want to, like, skip ahead a minute or two if you haven't read these books. Um, but I felt like like Prim's dying, I kind of didn't think she was ever going to survive the, the books anyway. Right. So it didn't really shock me at all when when she was killed. I was sad that it happened so pointlessly, but, you know, it was just kind of like, well, you know, she's done so much, you know, Katniss has done so much to protect her sister, and, like, that, that was kind of, like, her lowest her lowest point, and I think, like, in all kind of heroic stories, the hero has to, to reach that, that point. I agree, and I think, you know, um, I, I really was fascinated by the transformation, you know, in PETA from, you know, what the Capitol did to him, you know, for, you know, like the brainwashing, or what do they call it? The, the, the hijacking. Hijacking, yeah. Um, and that just really fascinated me. And the fact that when it ended, when the series ended, he was actually turned out to be more, I don't know if level-headed is the word, but adjusted or reconciled to the way things were um, at the end of it. Yeah, I I think that, I like, you know, I don't want to spend too much time talking about the whole romance angle of the story because I feel like that was so overhyped. Oh, God. Yeah. But I do have to say that there, there was a line, you know, that where, you know, in the third book, Pete has been playing this game with them, you know, where he'd ask real or not real and, and you know, to try to figure out what was hallucination and, and what really happened. And, you know, there was that one point where where, you know, he says, I love you, real or not real. And I like, I, I did, I choked up at that. <laughs> yeah, that was all. But I mean, like, yeah. But anyway, let's leave that because I could go down and <laughs> yeah. I could continue to talk about The Hunger Games. So let's leave that. And what else have you been reading? Okay, the other ones I wanted to mention, um, right now I'm reading two books. One of them is the, is the first in a trilogy that my friend who's visiting me for my my graduation really wants me to read. So I kind of am hoping that I can get as far as I... She comes in next Thursday, so no pressure or anything. But I'm going to try to finish three epic fantasy novels in <laughs> less So which than a week. trilogy is this? It's called um, The Engineer Trilogy, and it's by K.J. Parker. And um, my friend sent me um, text copies of them. And... Mm. Basically, the I, I I didn't go into this with any real idea of what it's about, but I think like the that the major plot is that it, it's about this man who was an engineer, and he got caught like breaking this really stupid law in the engineers' guild, and like it was it was something like so minor that that it, like it's ridiculous. And he was sentenced to death for it, and he basically escapes. Whoa. Is, like, a badass nerd. How funny. Like, he uses, he uses the principles of engineering to, um, to, to like, fight his, his opponents. And That's is great. successful at it. And it's just, like, it's, he's a badass nerd. I love him. There you go. Wonderful. And then I'm also reading um, The Last Testament, which was written by the guy who who writes the Twitter or the yeah the Twitter account for the Tweet of God, David Javerbaum, Jaber, um, and it's it's 
you know, it's the kind of book that that um, is probably not for the easily offended. <laughs> but I I like stuff like that, and it's very funny. And and um, is like it like it making fun about, of religion book, or what? What does it do? It, it it yeah, it mocks religion. You know, given that the given that you know, and, and the audio book is really funny because it starts out with. Um, with with this like Javerbaum reading in this like echoey reverb voice, like you know, like he's God. That's funny. And, and then the engineer's like, "Hey, we, we you got to you got to tone it down. <laughs> we, mm-hmm. we can't have the, the reverb. Nobody will listen to this audiobook. <laughs> oh, that's great. And it talks like I'm at the part now where he's talking about about um, about Jesus and his thing is that he had two other children named Zach and Kathy. Yeah. <laughs> and Jesus had 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 middle child syndrome really badly, so that's why he went down to Earth. And it's... well, you do know that Jesus had two dads, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Someone actually told me that the other day. I hadn't actually heard that uh, before. And and um, this this one guy at work who, yeah, I mean, you know, they're big churchgoers, but they also know how to make you know make fun of everything. And he's like, you know, Jesus had two dads. I'm like, what? You know, it really caught me by surprise that he would say that. I'm like, he's not thinking Joseph and God, is he? And then he said, Joseph and God. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, you didn't actually. It was just so funny. So, yeah, I, I, I'm behind the times. I had never heard that one before, but it is funny. I, and my one of my other favorite moments was when God talks about how, yes, it did used to be Adam and Steve, but... but <laughs> Then after the fall, God turned Steve into a woman and and said that, that he should pick a name that, that would be easy for him to remember and that people could mock that, that um people could turn into an obnoxious um slogan to shout at anti gay rallies five thousand years later. That's really funny. <laughs> it's 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 well worth it. I should so read that's that. What I've been reading. Um I have been reading I haven't read many new books either this month. I, I have read, um, it was so wonderful. I have reread one of my favorites because Bard came out with The Mists of Avalon read by the incomparable Jill Ferris. And I've, I've read part of that book in commercial version and it was read by someone with a British accent. And this is like a whole like King Arthur thing, right? So the British accent, I gave it ambience. But I didn't yeah. like her. I didn't like her voice. I mean, it was like Jill Ferris all the way. You know, it, she reads it with such emotional power and feeling. And it's a 46-hour-long book. And, you know, she makes it so wonderful that I had to reread most of it. I didn't reread all of it, but but most of it I reread because it just, you know, I had to experience that again. It had been 15 years since I, or actually longer than that, since I read it with her reading it. And it was just so wonderful. Um, I need to go back and reread that book. I loved it the first yeah. time I read it. And, and I, just, I think I would, I yeah. read it in Braille, which was like Woo! 12 volumes or something wow. like that. that. That had to have been a huge number of volumes. But it's one of those books that it's one of my comfort reads. Um, I go back and reread small portions of it every so often um, because it's just, it's just so fascinating. Now, that said, I read another book by Marion Zimmer Bradley because I'm trying to read more of her books. Um, called The Firebrand, and it's about the Trojan War, um, but it's told from the perspective of Cassandra, who is Paris's sister, who is the one who's the prophetess, 
and, you know, sees the fall of Troy. I had read before um, Helen of Troy by Margaret George. And so I thought, well, this would be a good one, you know, told from Cassandra's perspective. We'll see what she thinks about the war, you know, because Helen of Troy is obviously told from, well, Helen's perspective. Right. Um, and that that's actually an excellent book, too. And it was interesting, you know, reading, juxtaposing those books and seeing how the authors dealt with the Trojan War itself and fictionalized it, you know, because you've only got the mythology and so how they interpreted the various things in the mythology. And I'm just geeky enough to be familiar enough with Greek mythology to find that all fascinating. But anyway, um, Marion Zimmer Bradley uh, did a wonderful job with that book, too. It's it's a very sweeping sort of epic book, uh, just like The Mists of Avalon. And it's told with a very feminine viewpoint and, you know, told from the point of view of a very strong woman. Uh, it's interesting that in that book, Cassandra is perceived as being very strong-minded and strong-willed and powerful. In Margaret George's book, and also the Iliad, and not really Odyssey, but the Iliad itself, she's sort of like, you know, the the harbinger of doom, who is like all weepy and depressed and everything. And I, mm-hmm. So it's just really, because the scenes in Margaret George's book, whenever she's in it, she's always like sitting all by herself all depressed and sad, which, I mean, the fall of Troy is not a happy subject, and she knows it's going to happen and that no one's going to believe her because Apollo got mad at her, and that's her curse, right? No one believes her when she tells the truth. Um, And so, you know, no one believes her, and she's all weepy and depressed about it, and then in Marion Zimmer Bradley's book, she's just pissed about it. (laughs) sounds more fun to me. (laughs) Yeah, it's definitely more fun. So um, it was a great book. It it did not, it's, it's, you know, 24 hours long at normal speed, and I will caution, the Bard narrator is horrible. Um, I don't know this person. I mean, I've never read anything else narrated by this person who, unfortunately, I can't remember her name. But she sounds like Kathleen Turner with a British accent. And Kathleen oh, Turner dear. has this really deep sort of gravelly <laughs> voice. But and that's what this woman sounded like, except British. And it it's really awful. Uh, but, you know, it got to a certain point in the story, and I was so captivated by the story that... You know, the narration became second, second, you know, on the things I was really listening to. So that's the mark of a good story when you can get past a really bad narrator, in my opinion. Um, Yeah, so it was it was really good. And then I'm on this I'm still on this whole reading Star Trek novels thing. Um, I'm currently reading, although I haven't finished it yet, um, a novel called The Pandora Principle by... Oh gosh, I can't remember the woman's name, but I'll have it in the have it in the show notes. It's not someone who writes. I don't think it's by someone who writes a huge number of Star Trek novels, um, like you know J.M. Dillard or uh, Von the McIntyre or you know other people that you see all over the place. Um, but anyway, it's about it's uh, detailing the you know it's about the first set of Star Trek characters, not the one on you know like Next Generation or Voyager or the sort of spinoff shows. Uh, but it talks about the life, in part, of one of the minor characters that comes up in the movies. Um, she is a lieutenant named Savick, and basically all you know in the movies is that she's half Romulan and half Vulcan, and that creates kind of a conflict, because Romulans and Vulcans don't like each other. Uh, and this book expands on that, and you get a sense of like where she was born and how the half-and-half half thing occurred, and you know, it was so it's kind of interesting. Um, but at the same time, I got involved with the firebrand and put it aside and haven't uh, haven't picked it back up again. 
remember seeing that title on on the the new books um, portion of Bard. I think I caught that it was a Star Trek book and didn't really right read past it. But I remember that the title really intrigued me. Yeah, and it actually it happened. It doesn't happen. Yeah, so it's it's a pretty uh, it's a pretty good book, and you know you figure out how Pandora fits into it, sort of towards the middle, and um, it it's very interesting. But I just haven't been able to finish it. I think. Um, you know, I got distracted by a shiny object, as you put it, with a book, and uh, <laughs> haven't been able a to lot. haven't been able to finish it. Yeah. So, and other than that, I don't know if I talked about. Oh, I read a book, uh, two short young adult books. Um, one that I read, it was either just before the last podcast or just after this. I mean, just after the last podcast episode. Um, called Angry Young Man by Chris Lynch. And I don't think I mentioned it last time, but it's about a boy who, you know, a boy and his brother, and they're both teenagers. And this boy's brother is not, I don't think he's like autistic or necessarily antisocial. He just doesn't know how to get along with people and never found acceptance. And it's about his brothers, you know, trying to teach him how to get along with people. I mean, not like he's, you know, around killing people and everything, but he just, you know, he's just odd enough that people don't, like, don't get him. So it's about his brother trying to, you know, introduce him around and get him involved with other people and get him to have a social life. And it was very, it was kind of interesting, but it was also one of the slowest four hours of my life. Like, the concept was interesting, but it just seemed like nothing really happened until the end of the book. It's one of those books that just kind of dragged on. I, I read a book by him called Inexcusable... Which was, um, it was, uh, like, I remember that it dragged, too, even though, you know, it was very short, too. Right. But that one had, but I think that one, it wasn't so much that, that it was boring as that, like, the the main character was so very unlikable <laughs> that I just couldn't... N- you know, and 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 like he's in, he's in denial about how unlikable he is. Uh-huh. He is pretty much convinced that he is like God's gift to the universe, and and it just made it. It was a weird little dynamic, and it just made me like I haven't. I I keep thinking that I should read Angry Young Man, but I haven't. I, I'm not sure I quite want to have another experience with that yeah. author. And and it seems like in, sort of he did the same thing in this book, which, I mean, in An Angry Young Man, he focused so much on how odd this kid was. I mean, he wasn't like he did anything that was really odd. It's just like the way he interacted with people just was a little bit off. And he focused so much on that and, you know, how in the past he did these things that when it came up to the present time and you were going through, you know, the present and what was going on in the present, it was like, yeah, you already kind of beat this into the ground and we've got this new scenario and he's still got the same problems and I'm sort of bored now, you know? Um, that was that was kind of the way um, it fell out for me. The another, I like reading young adult books though because they, they a lot of them focus on very morally challenging issues um, and, you know, sort of coming of age experiences and I like that in, in a book, you know, that the books have some kind of moral you know, thought process going on uh, alongside, you know, the plot. Uh, this this other one I read, you know, I hate the um, categorizations on Bard for grades six to nine and older readers. And immediately <laughs> you think run, spot, run, see, spot, run. But, yeah. you know, this one, it was called, it's called Trickster's Girl by Hilary Bell. 
and it was a recent addition to Bard. Uh, and um, this, narrated by Martha Harmon Pardee, who is not one of my favorites. No, mine um, either. But um, she she did an okay job. Actually, there is one book of hers that I really like the narration of, but um, that doesn't have anything to do with this. Uh, she, this girl um, in the book, it's like a future America, and there's ecological disaster brewing on the horizon, and it's her job to help stop it, basically. Um, and I liked the book. I thought, and she does so with she does so with the help of a Native American raven spirit, who actually you know like shapeshifts into a person, and you know there's all kinds of there's some magic involved, and I liked the book, but I thought the ending was unsatisfying. Um, it ended too quickly and abruptly for me, and I don't think there's going to be a sequel. Which, if I had had my way, it would have ended at a point, and then it would have continued to another book. But I think that's it. I don't think there's going to be a sequel to it. Uh, I found the ending abrupt, although I thought the issues explored were interesting, um, especially, you know, caring for the environment and, uh, you know, conserving our resources was, was explored um, a little bit there. So interesting read, and I'm glad I read it, but I can't say, I mean, it's definitely not one of my favorites. And with that said, I think that's all I've read this month. It's of note. All right. <clears throat> Well, should we go on to our, our news? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, first of all, uh, well, one, one of the pieces of news has to do with our homework. So maybe I'll save that to the end. But the other piece of news does not necessarily. Um, it's, it's interesting. Everything is moving into the cloud and online now. So the vatican and some other folks have are working together to digitize a number of religious works and early early literature uh and i think 1.5 million different pieces of literature are going to be digitized and put online and this includes not only religious works but also early mythological works and medieval writings so that's definitely going to be interesting when it's done they did have a much more limited project of, I think, 200,000 ancient works, but now they've expanded it. And it's it's a $3 million project, I think. I think they said. Oh, I can only imagine, yeah. like, what how, mu- how much resources you would have to have to scan and then, um, Cause, I mean, like, OCRify. Yeah. <laughs> OCRify, that's a great word. I mean, some of these things are not, like, regular printed books. This is, like ancient scrolls and you know parchments and and stuff like that real real difficult things that something like you know Kurzweil or open book or uh docuscan plus just would not handle uh so i mean because it's like you know handwritten and funky paper and in some cases disintegrating pieces of leather so you know i i think it's really an interesting endeavor and uh, I hope that it works out. And it may be yeah. more than $3 million. I can't remember how much money they were going to dedicate to the project, but um, it seems like more and more material is being uh, put up there. And, of course, there's going to be a heavy emphasis on material from, you know, ancient sources because, A, it's material that's understood least, and, B, uh, they don't have to worry with countries over copyright laws. 
You know, because every country has different copyright restrictions, some more restrictive than than others. Hint, hint, U.S. government. Uh, (laughs) But, um, you know, they don't have to worry about that. So that makes it easier, too, for them to do. Well, speaking of copyright restrictions, kind of, (laughs) um, Tor Books announced a couple of weeks ago that they are going to go DRM-free. Um, for those of you that may not know, DRM is stands for D- Digital Rights Management, and it's basically a way to keep um, ebooks is primarily how it's used. Like if you buy an ebook, um, say on the the Apple Store, like you can't take that book and put it somewhere else. Um, basically, <clears throat> you know. Like, it's very specific. You know, you buy a book, it stays in that format. You can't do anything to alter it. But the problem with that is that if I buy a book on a Kindle um, with Kindle for PC or something and want to read it on on an ebook reader like my BookSense, you know, can't do that. So DRM, basically, if, if you remove that, will allow you to... Um, take your books and and it will basically like allow you a license to that content you can transfer it to different devices basically yeah and um it's not restricted to one so what what um the reason that this happened when it did is primarily because uh macmillan publishing which is the parent company of tom doherty and associates which is which is the parent company of tor books (laughs) was in the middle of one of the price-fixing um, lawsuits that's going on with the Department of Justice and Apple and several other publishers. So Tor decided, with, I guess, Macmillan's permission, as a show of good faith, you know, that they were going to uh, make their ebooks DRM-free. And so you still have to purchase the ebook, obviously, but you can put it on whatever device you wish. You know, if you want it on a Kindle, you can put it on the Kindle. Then if you decide you want it on your iPhone, yay, great. You can put a copy on your iPhone. So um, that is a really fabulous thing. And I know that there are a lot of authors who are happy about that, too. Uh, Cory Doctorow, who's a big science fiction author and all-around geek. Uh, there are a couple of books on of his on Bard, by the way, that are pretty good. Uh, he was very uh, excited about that. And he offers copies of his books, some of them for free, like text copies with just plain straight text, no embellishments or anything. Uh, a couple of them he has offered for free on his website, which is craphound.com. <laughs> or that's I, I one of his I websites. I think I read one of his books like that way. Yeah, I did too. And it was a weird book too, I got to say. Uh, Down and Out in the Magic Kingdom was what it was called. I read Little Brother. That down, I have Down and Out in the Magic Kingdom, I think, on my SD card. Mm-hmm. But it, it did seem weird. <laughs> I tried. It was, like, bizarre. So I didn't finish it. Um, I read Little Brother on Bard. Uh, the narration is really good. I forget who narrates it. But he does a good job. And then there's another uh, book of his short stories on there. Uh, and it's they're cute. And so I read that also. Uh, I can't remember exactly what it's called, but if you pull up Cory Doctorow, you're going to find it. Uh, anyway, so he was really excited about this move by Tor, uh, especially since they publish a lot of his books. 
since Tor's focus is mostly on science fiction and fantasy books. Yes. Um, and the last piece of sort of news relates to our homework. So why don't we talk about our homework first and then get into the news? Because it, it's something that inspired our homework. Um, okay. Unless, did you have another one that I'm forgetting? Um, d- no, I don't think so. Yeah, because we didn't have that much this month that we wanted no. to talk about news-wise. So, I mean, there's um, a lot of, there's always a lot of news out there. Yeah. It's just, you know. Oh, I did want to mention a couple of other things that that I didn't include articles on because it's sort of a one-sentence-fits-all kind of thing. Uh, the Pottermore website, which is the official Harry Potter website, I don't think it's, it's not J.K. Rowling, J.K. Rowling's official author website, but it's anything and everything to do with Harry Potter. They are open to the public now. You have to register to get all the services. And again, I'm not exactly sure what it is because I haven't registered for it. It's a little too over the top for me. I like Harry Potter, but I'm not going in to buy things at the Harry Potter store and, you know, do all this other stuff. But it is open to people now, um, rather than just a few select users. So you can go to Pottermore, M-O-R-E dot com, and uh, check it out. Also, I have not registered for yeah. this either. So we, we, <laughs> we don't really I, I've know. been wondering about accessibility issues, actually. Yeah, and I, I don't know. I haven't registered for it to check it out. But um, also... Not to beat everyone over the head with Stephen King, but we mentioned it last time, and I want to affirm this time that he has actually come out with a new Dark Tower novel. Uh, It is called Wind Through the Keyhole. Um, I've read a couple of reviews, and I think he did this primarily because readers, the, the Dark Tower series itself starts like in the middle of a quest. So readers have been uh, wondering how the whole quest thing, the, the particular quest got started because the series itself starts in the middle when, you know, this guy has been going along for 10 or 12 years journeying around the world. So readers have been wondering, and King says this in his um, notes on, in all the books, what got the whole thing started. And so this book uh, talks about some of the things that got, you know, the whole process moving. And so it's sort of like a prequel. But in a strange, weird way, it involves the characters that, you know, are currently in the book. So it's like a story within a story within a story. And that that format kind of makes me skeptical. Uh, Yeah, I have to admit, it's not really doing anything for me. I don't really (laughs) mean I liked... There was one Dark Tower book that was kind of the same. It was sort of like the quest was going on, but then, you know, the guy decides to tell people what happened... 20, 30 years ago, because it relates to what's going on with them right now. And that was actually very well done and very skillfully done. But this is another sort of the same kind of thing. And I'm kind of like, I'm not really interested enough to go out and read it because, again, three stories nested in each other doesn't really intrigue me that much. But if anyone does read it and you do enjoy it, uh, you know, let us know. I just, the, 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 you know, prequel thing just kind of it doesn't excite me i've read a few prequels to series and things but generally it doesn't doesn't grab my attention i have a friend who um is is a very big stephen king dark tower fan and she was very excited to get the book so i i'll be curious to see what her take is on on it after she's done because this is one of those series that that 
I think I may have mentioned on the podcast before that I was spoiled for the ending of the series in general, and I wish I could forget that piece of information. But I haven't, I haven't ever read it, and and but it still kind of fascinates me because right. you know it's so epic, <laughs> right? And I was actually spoiled for the ending, but since I had started the series, I figured I might as well finish it. That being said, I still haven't finished the last book because this is one of those cases where I read um, three of the books in a row really quickly, and it was like, whoa, I need to like take a step back. And can I use the word like anymore in a sentence? Uh, I need to (laughs) take a step back and, uh, you know, regroup and read something else. So I haven't yet finished that. And and I know how it ends. It's kind of, mm, I don't know too many people who are happy about the ending. Let's just say that. So those are two items I thought I would mention. Uh, I thought that that one would be small, but it ended up being larger than I thought. Uh, (laughs) I think also that he's coming out with a sequel to The Shining, which... In case people don't know, oh, I I heard about that. It's a book where, and they made a movie out of it, and it's an infinitely better movie than book, in my opinion. Um, it's these people go to a hotel in the mountains, and this guy is the caretaker, and he's coming off with about with alcoholism, which basically got him fired from his last job, and the only job he could find was a caretaking this hotel in a very isolated spot in the Colorado mountains. And basically he and his family start suffering from cabin fever and all go a little bit nuts. And he especially goes a little bit nuts. So um, the book was okay. There were some parts in it that were really slow. And um, I really did enjoy the movie though. It had Jack Nicholson in it and it was like really creepy. So I'm not sure exactly how, because it actually had an ending. So I'm not exactly sure how they're going to, how he's, what's going to happen in a sequel. But I guess we'll just have to wait and find out, see if it really does come about. It, it seems like what I saw about that was that the sequel is about his son as a grown up. So at least it won't mm. be a sequel in the sense of like, you know, I, I'm sure that it will stand alone. Or, or if not stand alone, then at least like, you know, it's not the kind of thing where, um, when you read it, I, I mean, I hope that it will be a completely different story, you know, and only like tie in tangentially or whatever, you know. Yeah, let's hope so. Yeah. <laughs> let's hope so. Um, so getting to our homework, finally. <laughs> yes, after we blathered on endlessly. <laughs> Rambled so, ditzily, if you will. Yes. <laughs> so, so The Sugar Queen was one of the first books I ever read by Sarah Addison Allen. I've since read all but but the last one that she wrote, The Peach Keeper, which I have. Um, but she's one of my favorite authors, and I, I loved her book starting with this one. Um, so that, that probably lets you know how I felt about the homework. What did you think of it, Erin? I, I loved it. I did not read it until this week because I wanted to make sure that I read it close enough to the podcast that I didn't forget because of reading other things. I, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I especially enjoyed the narration. For me, that's a big part of the book if I read it in audio. Uh, I read the Bard version narrated by Laura Generelli, who's one of my very favorite narrators. Uh, yes, of mine too. Library of Congress books. She narrates all the Little House books and, uh, you know, wonderful things like that. And um, a lot of children's books. But she also narrates a lot of, you know, adult books and, and uh, is very good. Um, I really enjoyed it. It was funny because the whole concept, I mean, it it starts with the bang. It really does. You know, the woman opens her closet and there's like this other woman in the closet. Um, 
And she can't and get her to leave. She can't get her to leave. Well, go figure. Um, it takes her a while to figure out the reason why she can't get her to leave. I mean, you know, she's a ghost. And I figured it out within the first, I don't know, 10 or 15 pages. And it took her almost the whole book to figure out that it's not an actual real live person in there. It's an actual ghost. I, I think it took me... Because this is a reread for me. I think the first time I read it, I... I didn't really have it figured out completely, but it, you know, it wasn't really a shock to me when, when we found out that she had died. Right. Um, but it was, it, it was still very, I, I guess I didn't really blame her for not, not quite, you know, yeah. connecting the dots. <laughs> I, I guess I didn't blame her, but it was like, I, and I guess maybe it took me longer than the first 15 pages. It, it's hard to judge, you know, with books and audio, how long it actually takes. But, um, I, I didn't I didn't blame her that much, but it was just kind of like, you know, there was the point when, um, you know, she's trying to get her attention by making the air really drafty in the house. And it was like, can't you figure this out? You know, she's not a real person. How else would she have done that? <laughs> yeah. So. And, and I noticed the second time around things like, you know, that she smelled like river water. Um, she never you know, ate. Like, right. She never let her touch her, that kind of thing. Or she would, she would lean out of her reach if she tried to touch her. Um, but all that said, I thought it was a, fan, a fascinating book. It was, um, it's definitely chick lit. So, you know, guys, it's all about woman things. But it's, you know, it, it was very good. And she was very clever about weaving this woman's obsession with food into the book, which I think a lot of her books talk about food in some way. Um, in this particular book, each chapter was the name of a candy. And it made me so hungry when I was reading the book. <sighs> me too. I, um, I think I had to cook something <laughs> while yeah. I was reading it just because I was like, I can't sit here and, and think about candy and not have any in the house. I have to eat something. <laughs> I, I think I managed not to eat anything, but I think that was because most of when I, I read it most when I was sitting in front of the computer, because I thought, you know, if I sit here, I won't get hungry. But if I'm downstairs in the living room, just like sitting in a chair, zoning out over the book, I'm going to get hungry and have to eat. Um, <laughs> so that's how I avoided that. But um, the author's website lists all the names of the candies and junk food and snacks that are listed, you know, that are mentioned in the book. And there's, oh my gosh, at least 20 to 30 different uh, snack foods. Because the way that this woman, Josie, copes with her stresses in her life is to uh, eat junk food and read romance novels that she hides in the back of her closet. Uh, so she mentions them a lot. Now, I did really like the woman, Chloe. Uh, the other yes. sort of main woman in the book. And the, the fact that her relationship with books is so fascinating. The fact that they just appear whenever she needs them. They're just, they show up in random places. Um, in her shop, on the floor. And it, you know, they're books that relate to her life in some way. And I really thought she'd get around to reading the ones that showed up all the time. Uh, and she never did, I don't think. Finding forgiveness. Yeah, finding forgiveness and... <laughs> There was another one about love that, that kept showing up, too. But that Finding Forgiveness, I thought for sure she would read it at some point. But she never did. She ended up it, not needing to. It, it, it ended up being a character in and of itself, really, that oh, those, yeah. those books. You're right. They did. 
Um, they, yeah, like she talked to them and they seemed to understand her. Go and away. Her anyway. And it would like flutter away. And yeah. <laughs> so that was, that was really funny. Um, and the men are typical men, you know, they don't realize what's going on in the woman's minds about love and romance and all this. And it was just, it was a really refreshing, light read. No heavy moral or philosophical issues to deal with. No uh, unhappiness really to deal with. A little bit. Um, but nothing, you know, nothing too terrible. Yeah. So it was, it, it was really good. It, it's a book that I think of as fluffy without being fluffy. Like it's fluffy because it, you know, there's not a whole lot of, like dark material, but I feel like it's also, um, like I don't know, like it, it's it 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 made it made me think about things. Um, exactly. So so you know in that way it didn't feel like mindless brain candy. You know you just like sit there and gobble it up. Right. Um, there were a lot of relationships in the book. I mean there was there, there, there was were Josie's relationship with her mother, Chloe's relationship with books, uh, and the relationships <laughs> with. They're men, but so they're to speak. Men. Uh, and that, I mean, it's it's a book that focuses on relationships and and the mother's relationship with the taxi driver, even. You know, that Which... entered into it towards the end of the book, too. And I just, um, I found it so refreshing that, you know, they were young women and they were able to change, I guess, their outlook on life a little bit. And she was an elderly woman and she was a, her life got changed by this ghost in Josie's closet. You know, the, yeah. the ghost had, I mean, you know, she would give suggestions and hints and, you know, talk to Josie about things that went wrong. But all of Josie's actions kind of rippled out and touched all these other people. And I think that was, that was just an amazing thing. I, I really liked, um, I, the first time I read this book, like, you know, going, going, starting a little bit with the romances. The first time I read this book, I really, really liked um, watching the progression between Zoe or Josie and and Adam, yeah, who is the mailman. Um, but this time, I don't know if it if it's like you know I don't think I re- I don't I did I read this book like maybe two years ago, so it wasn't like I'm in a different place in my life now. But this time, like the romance that really really kind of resonated with me more was the one was um Chloe and and Jake um because I felt like I I've known people who have who did that in relationships you know Chloe loses herself completely because you know of her her really passionate response to him and I I really liked how she kind of came into her own and and went after the things she wanted. And it was only when she did that, you know, when she bought herself um, the house she'd always loved and, and took her, her, her parents' things out of storage that, that it really, like, that she was able to kind of deal with, with, with Jake and I, how, how her feelings for him were. I agree. And I think that um, the, the fact that she, you know, didn't before she was afraid, you know, a little bit about what he would think of her if she revealed how she really felt about everything and, and how if she really went and did things that she wanted. So, you know, that was very empowering for me to see her actually do that. And I have known people who do the same thing. You know, they get so involved with the other person that they kind of lose themselves in the other person's wants and needs. 
and expectations and forget that they've got expectations too and the other person needs to know about them and they need to share them and they'll come, you know, if they love each other and respect each other enough, you know, they'll, they'll accept it and their relationship will get even deeper. So I I, like that Jake was a, was a genuinely nice guy. He made a mistake. Yeah. Um, but I I feel like he would have been vilified in in a lot of other books, or he would have been made into this alpha male Ooh, macho man. Yeah, yeah. But he really like he was a really really relatable character. I like the way she did that because most most authors, you know, if if a character had you know cheated on the other one, um, they really tend to vilify those people and make them terrible, dislikable people. And she made him out to be a nice guy who screwed up. That's often, you know, a lot of times that's the way it happens. And sometimes once is the only time. And it's good to know that that some people can, you know, that trust hasn't completely been obliterated. Yeah. And, I, you know, I got the feeling that, that you know, that, that he wouldn't do that again. Like, I, I felt like he was genuinely remorseful, you yeah, know, I once he... He told her about what had happened and and they spent all that time apart. Like, I felt very hopeful for their relationship afterwards. I did, too. And I felt like, you know, the time apart was good for them. It was especially good for her. Yeah. And then we have um, Adam and Josie. And I I really liked what she did with that one where it's all... um, I think I really liked where he went, went... I, because Josie goes in so many different places, you know, like through the story, like she's, she, she really comes into her own. But I, I liked that. Um, I, I liked that their courtship was not typical, like the way that you would typically read it in, in a romance novel. Um, I, I really liked when um, Josie kind of acknowledged to herself that, and to him that, okay, well now that he knows how she feels about him, um, like maybe she shouldn't go chasing after him every time he brings the mail, you know, if, if he, because that gives him all the power in this situation. Right. And yeah. so I liked that she started taking her- more, more of that power, like with everything, both with him and with her mom. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and just kind of like not letting anybody push her around. Yeah. That's really <clears throat> a good thing. Um, I thought that was good too. And, I just liked the whole relationship between her and Della Lee, the ghost, because it's not like Della Lee did anything really magical. You know, no. they use Sarah Addison Allen uses the term fairy godmother at one point, but it's not like Cinderella where, you know, snap your fingers, wave the magic wand and she's a totally different person. She just tells her to do things or makes suggestions that kind of nudge her in a direction. It's not like it's magic, really. The only magic thing is she's a ghost in her closet. So I thought that was, I thought that was, that was really um, nice and subtle the way she did that. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. The book what did itself. You, what did you think of Julian? Oh my gosh! Yeah, I mean there has to be one of him in every romance novel. <laughs> And the see, I think he stranger. would have been the hero in, in, in a lesser book. Like, I, I feel like he, you know, like he is the charismatic um, bad boy type. Right, but, but the, really the liked... hero, you know, like in a lesser book, the charismatic bad boy type would turn into a charismatic good guy with bad streaks in him. 
<laughs> right. Julian just remained the charismatic bad bad guy. Um, there wasn't a you know redemption moment for him. But he wasn't cartoonish either. Like, no. you know, I I felt like he he could have been I mean, he was always evil and he was not very redeemable, but I kind of felt like he I I don't know. Like there was something a little bit sad about about him, you know. It's like that he's so blind to like his effect on other people. That, that was that, sad. That there's no way that he can really like that he could ever really be happy, I don't think. And maybe that's just because I'm reading too much into it. Like I said, this is a reread for me, but I I don't know. I, I just think he it's one of those he's one of those people who um you know, doing a lot of work with on and off with domestic violence issues. It's like it's always the other person's fault. Yeah, it's it's not none of the really weird, disturbing crap that he does is his fault. You know, it's 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 always the uh, the woman's fault. And so, you know, to that extent, he uh, really, you know, I I just it it, what he wasn't cartoonish, but I just really disliked him and felt like he wasn't it was not a redeemable character. Yeah, no, definitely not. And you're right. He is oblivious on his effect on on other people. And that is kind of sad, but. Ooh, yeah. But she did. She did nail the whole, you know, the the whole abuser thing too Absolutely. because he was very charming. Oh yeah. Very charming. <laughs> um and she, you know, explored that issue, especially um, you know, Della Lee's response to him and Chloe's response to him. Uh were very, you know, very different and um you know, Della Lee's response was just so sad and Chloe's response was you know, she was saved at the last minute, but she, you know, was trying to get away from him. You know, she had, she was not completely helpless. Yeah. When they came and found her, you know, she was still trying to run away and everything. So, you know, it showed that she had some grit to her, even, even though we hadn't really seen it. So, um, this book, uh, I'm going to put in the show notes, a link to the author's website. And this book was inspired by, I think, a story that she read in Reuters a while back. Um, This Japanese guy found a homeless woman living in his closet, an actual woman, you know, an actual person. (laughs) Not a ghost. (laughs) You know, not a ghost. And this was an actual, you know, nonfiction, real-life person found this homeless woman living in his closet. Um, And I think the police were searching for an intruder, and they you know, put cameras throughout this his house because he thought someone was in his house but just couldn't figure out where and found out that she was hiding in one of his closets. So when they went in the closet, they found, like, water bottles and trash and this woman in there. And she basically said she had nowhere else to go and he had no idea who she was. He didn't know her or anything. And she was just crashed out in his closet and apparently had been there for several weeks. (laughs) I find it hard to believe. He must have had a huge house. Either that or yeah. he had a room into which he never, ever, ever went. And, and that, like, like crashing out of a closet, that would be such a small space. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Unless it was like Josie's closet that had a hidey hole in the back that could be expanded. But, you know, you'd think if, if he thought something was weird in the house, he would have gone and explored all of the nooks and crannies of the house. You know, closets, everything. Uh, and it took the police getting involved to find <laughs> Get her out of hiding. Um, 
so yeah, I, I think that that was one of the things that inspired the book. So I thought that was a real funny story, um, sort of amusing, sad for for the homeless woman, but but <laughs> who would have thought it? <laughs> but you know? kind of funny, yeah. <laughs> but kind of funny. So um, all that said, th- this book reminds me a lot of. Um, I don't know if you've ever read any books by Mignon Ballard. Um, I read one, and for the life of me, I cannot remember the name of it. But, you know, the, the, the book we just read, The Sugar Queen, takes place in North Carolina. And these books also take place in the South, and they're romances as well. But they're, um, these women are supervised by an actual guardian angel who goes around and helps where she's needed, named Augusta Goodnight. And she has these, there are several of these books. And for the life of me, I cannot remember the name of the one I actually read back when I was a bookshare volunteer, uh, proofreading scans of books. And this guardian angel would sort of show up on people's doorsteps and be like a regular person, try and steer events in the right directions they need to go. She would live with the, the women for a time. You know, I, I'm, I'm a cleaning lady, I'm looking for work type of thing and just kind of insinuate herself into the life um, that way. And she would always be cooking. So she would cook, I think her favorite, her, one of her recipes was strawberry muffins and she would cook them. Yum. Yeah. And I actually made them. I am, uh, Mignon Ballard has recipes in the back of her books. And so, uh, the one I scanned had a uh, proofread the scan, had a recipe for the strawberry muffins in it. And I actually made them, uh, according to the recipe, they were really good. Oh, I bet they were. They were. Um, and so, she would, you know, Augusta Goodnight is known for her strawberry muffins and the pans of them just sort of appear places. And she makes other food, too. So the books have recipes in them. Uh, and the, the one I read was really good. And I, like I said, can't remember the name, but but the guardian angel's name is Augusta Goodnight. So I think the website out. is mignonfballard.com. Um, you can find her information there. And I don't think any of the books are on Bard, because I, I did check at one point to see. But they're they're kind of the same. They're kind of similar. You know, romances supervised by this guardian angel person. And she's written at least several of them. So that's what this book reminded me of. But, I mean, they're, you know, they're quite different. And as, as I recall correctly, they're actually sort of like mysteries, um, rather than just, you know, romances with various layers in them. They actually have a little bit of a mystery Although the romance takes precedence over the mystery by a long way. That sounds like a lot of fun. I, I've like have been trying like to find other authors that are that are like Sarah Addison Allen and because, you know, I like the little hints of magic and and you know, the the sort of comfort read feel right. of, of those books and I haven't this might be one. Because I haven't ha- found very many that seem like they're quite the same. Yeah, it was really, it, it's really good. And I think um, Bookshare at least has one because I proofed this game. Because <laughs> <laughs> you proofed it, yes. <laughs> so Mignon, M-I-G-N-O-N, Ballard with two L's. Um, and so there's at least one up there. Uh, and I know, are you a Bookshare member? Yes. Yeah, you're a Bookshare member. You could you could find it. Um, and I, I hopefully Bard will have them soon. But they were they're a lot of fun. Um, all that said, why don't we talk about this month's homework? Yes, it was suggested to us by a listener. Yay, listeners. <laughs> Comments always welcome. Yes. Uh, we'll review the contact information at the end, of course. And, um, yeah, so a listener suggested we read, uh, 
The Clan of the Cave Bear by Jean Owl, A-U-E-L. Um, and this was written in the very early 80s. The last book was finally published because it's a series, the Earth's Children series, finally published, God, was it last year or in 2010? I don't Something know. like that. I read it to read it. By that point, I was sort of bored. But I have to say, the first three or four books in the series are fantastic. Um, and there are six. And Clan of the Cape Bear is the first. It's about a very... The, se- the series itself centers on a very strong female character. And the series takes place... It's sort of historical fiction, like, but from way back then. Um, it's It's... Prehistory. It takes place in Western Europe um, at, you know, the end of the previous major ice age when, um, you know, when the Neanderthals and the Cro-Magnons were sort of competing for space uh, in in Western Europe. So the story centers around these two uh, groups of people. And their differences. That's basically what the whole series is about, uh, you know, in terms of, you know, these people's lives. And this, this strong female character is adopted uh, by a clan of Neanderthal people uh, after her, her home and family are destroyed by an earthquake. And so that's where the clan of the cave bear picks up, um, you know, when she's found by this group of people. And how she tries to integrate herself into their society, which, of course, is very different from, you know, hers and the way that she was raised. And she's really young at the time, but it's all about her struggle to integrate into a society that's so different from her own. Uh, And in some cases, different, you know, these people are different genetically. So there's like, there's a lot of difference, let's put it that way, that she has to overcome. Uh, so that's basically what this book is about, and I've read it. Like I said, and I've read I have all of not, them. which was why we decided yeah. to do it. <laughs> so, um, and and for me, uh, that book is one of my favorite books of all time. So, uh, it's it's wonderful. The author does a very good job of researching the geological and anthropological, um, you know, things going on during that period from twenty six to twenty eight thousand years ago, and there's a lot of it in the book that's integrated into the book. So um, it's a very fascinating reading. Like, you know, the plants and animals that are around, the, what the Ice Age has done to the world at large, uh, the effect of glaciers on, on the Earth's surface, the kinds of tools that people used based on archaeological findings, even down to, of course, the description, the physical descriptions uh, of the people and how they're different from modern-day people based on the, the bones and fossils and findings. So, um, you know, rather than making this a dry treatise on all the different changes that happened in the world, it's actually, you know, built uh, around this fictional story. So I just, I thought the, the fir- think the first book is fabulous and can't say enough high praise about it. Um, so that, we will talk about that in June. Yes, that is our homework. It is Unbarred. It is narrated by Martha Harmon Pardee. I have to say it's good. Her narration is decent, but the early narration done by someone in Ohio, the Ohio Braille Volu- Library of Volunteers or something in the early 80s was much better. Uh, and this remastered version is okay, but I was used to the early person. 
So, you know, that's me being biased. Uh, if you get it from Audible, the narrator is Sandra Burr, and she is fantastic. She narrates all six books, um, and I think she's wonderful anyway. Uh, and, of course, you can get it from Bookshare, and I know it is on Amazon because I have it. I purchased it from Amazon, and I have the whole series in hardcover. Actually, the first four books in hardcover. Um, not the fifth and sixth, but just definitely the first four. Um, so that is it for next week. Next week. Yeah. Next month. Next month. <laughs> and uh, next month, we may have a big surprise. Yes, I'm looking forward to that, hopefully. Yeah. I hope the but surprise works out. Yes, yes. And There thanks, may not be a big surprise. There may not be. <laughs> it may not work out, so we won't go into details. Um, <laughs> next month, uh, we will continue the saga, talk about this book, and get more, another homework assignment. Uh, thanks to our listeners who provided us with homework assignment suggestions on Twitter. And we also have some listeners who provided us with news suggestions uh, through our Gmail email account. And so thank you for that as well. Um, we, I, is there anything you'd like to say before we wrap this up? Because I'm kind of... I think that's about it. So we'll see you next month. Yeah. Um, I do want to give our contact details really quickly. Um, the Twitter is Book Hoarders on Twitter. And of course, the website is bhapodcast.com. If you want to subscribe to the podcast, there are links towards the bottom of the page to subscribe via RSS, um, iTunes, or FeedBurner. If you want the manual URL to put into your podcatcher manually, uh, go into FeedBurner and you will find it. Uh, we had a listener question about that today, actually. And um, I, I had to address that. So I figured I'd address it not only in the email, but on the podcast as well. If okay. you want to contact us over email, it's bhapodcast at gmail.com. And we also have a wonderful brand new, shiny Google Voice number. Yay! Yay! <laughs> um, if you all leave con comments on the Google Voice line, they may be played on a future episode. Beware. Um, the number is 520-81-BOOKS, which is 520-81-6657. Yes. Yeah. Uh, five two zero eight one two six six five seven. So, so leave us those comments. We'd really like to hear your feedback on on you know any of the homework books. You know, right. if, absolutely. If, if you agree with our assessments, if you disagree, you know, definitely give us feedback. Oh sure. So that's what this is all about. It's about us. It's not only about us, but it's about you and what you think of us. Ha <laughs> ha. So uh, <laughs> and any suggestions you have for future improvements. So. And about, like, how we can, like, not say like every, like, five, like, like seconds. seconds, you know? <laughs> you know? You know? Yeah. I'm, I, there is someone at work that does that. And I have started to do that now. It is very annoying. Say, you know, every five seconds. So not only does Rodney have to deal with me saying like all the time, it's now, you know? Uh, you know? <laughs> I, 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 now, now I'm going to be very conscious of it, too. <laughs> All right. Well, okay. on that note, since we've rambled on incessantly, we should probably say goodbye. Bye, everyone. See you next time. To contact the book hoarders, 
send email to bhapodcast at gmail.com. Follow Book Hoarders on Twitter. Call us at 520-81-BOOKS, 520-812-6657. And visit the website at bhapodcast.com.